What's up, guys? I'm Lex McMahon. That's Jose the Angry Chihuahua, also known as Shorty Torres. And we got our special guest, Rami Hamed, also known as The Roommate. This is the Twins Podcast. Let's get rolling, Shorty. What do you got? So, for the Furious Five, we had some questions. Obviously, I came up with them because they're all going to be food-related. At least the first two. So no one's surprised by that. You if you fat little the, bastard, yeah. You. Well, okay, okay. You're the one that cooks every night. I'm getting fat for a reason. I'll probably order tonight because oh. I think that the uh, stuff's not frozen, unfrozen yet. Just so you know. That's a question. What are we ordering? Yeah, what are we ordering now? It'll be good. Trust me. I was thinking about Italian. No. All right. Five. Okay. Oh, all right, all right, all right. Furious five. I'm salivating. Sorry. All right. If you had to choose, what would your last meal be? Speaking of food, questions are to Rummy. Oh, oh, I was going to go to you and then hit, but sure, Rami. No, 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 just what Rami. What would your last meal be? Ever. Uh, I'd probably go for sushi, man. Okay. I love sushi. Or maybe I'm just craving it now. I don't know. He's, he's That's really a subliminal sushi. message for for me to order sushi for us tonight. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, almost every day after practice. Brother, let's get sushi. It's like, yeah, no, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> no, it's good, it's good, it's good. Yeah, sushi and whatever else we can get. But it's always sushi. doesn't matter what else. Hamburgers, it starts with sushi. sushi yeah. Let's see. The next one. If you had to get a banana split, three scoops of ice cream, what are the flavors of the ice cream? Uh, definitely chocolate and strawberry. And I'll go for a, a cappuccino, a third one. Like, Ooh. I've tried it a while ago, and it actually tasted good. Cappuccino. I'll tell you what. When you go for a nice gelato, Shorty, you know the gelato I'm talking about. And Rami, you've gone for the gelato with us, right? They have a great cappuccino gelato. And over at Glick Gelato in Parkland, hey, if you want to sponsor us, Glick, don't forget. <laughs> it happens to be great. Stefan Struve, the UFC heavyweight, loves Glick Gelato. But they have a nice cappuccino. Is that what makes them taller? I should probably, yeah, i got to try it. Have you ever tried cornbread ice cream? I've had yeah, corn no. ice cream, sweet corn ice cream, and it's really good. That's surprising. Yeah, it's really good. I had cornbread ice cream. Cold Stone actually sells that. So, if Cold Stone, you want to sponsor me, that would be great. <laughs> Wait, you, one way is your middle name, dude. I say sponsor us, and you fat little bastard, you're like, if you want to sponsor me, Cold Stone. I just know there's not going to be enough, <laughs> and they can only give so much, and I'd probably eat it all anyways. I hope you die of diabetes at 40. Man, they'll get tricked. They'll sponsor the smaller guy, and he's like, oh my god, he eats like five grown up men. I'm like Shaggy or Scooby Doo. I'm Scrappy Doo, the big head little body. Where are we at? Alright, an unexpected skill. What is something you're good at that people are like, huh? Um, Well, I actually competed in the world championship of paper planes. So I can make great paper planes. So I honestly thought you were going to be like Taekwondo, which we know that you did. And yeah. you, you prevailed and did wonderfully yet. But I paper planes, I am surprised. Yeah, like, did not know. World but, championship for that. But, you know, here's the thing. Knowing you and knowing that you're more of an intellectual than the average fighter, you're actually an engineer. So I'm not surprised that you actually, you probably had like a ruler out and you, you made the perfect airplane, didn't you? Yeah. So what, what won? What was the model that won? The model that won? I don't even remember that. I remember I went on Google, tried a couple things, added some of my touches, which everybody did, but... Uh, so you cheated and went to Google. Everybody went to Google. <laughs> so so we, we put the Google Nest in, by the I way. Hey, Google, Google Nest, if you want to sponsor us... 
And all around the house, all you hear is, hey, Google. Yeah. Hey, Google. So now I'm going to be like, hey, Google, turn on midget porn in Rami's room. <laughs> hey, Google, tell Shorty to get his fat ass out of the refrigerator. Hey, Google, turn off midget porn in Shorty's room. <laughs> it's crazy, man. So when you're watching stuff on your phone, you know, it always asks you, do you want to broadcast what you're watching? It's like, no. <laughs> I don't want the whole house to know what I'm watching. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not. fight-relating stuff you know so so to add on to that which is actually really hilarious i was teaching at i was a personal trainer at like a crossfit gym and i was indulging in some pornographic stuff beforehand on my laptop but i used my laptop to play music the bad part was i opened up my laptop and left it there while i'm talking and greeting people coming in the gym and somebody goes i'm like what and I look over my laptop has like pretty much the screen i never closed out the screen so you see what I was watching last. And I'm like, How weird was it, dude? It's funny. No one said a thing. Huh. The only problem is no one so said So again, a thing. how weird was it, bro? No one said a thing in English. Uh. They were all Polish. Uh. So uh. you just hear, you know, the Polish whatever, and I'm just like... Shorty, oh, that's a great what day. the hell were you watching? How weird was it? I was just saying that the scene just finished. How about that? So it was, uh, it was very colorful. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. Uh. So... I gotta be honest, I actually had something similar happen when I was living with, uh, back at my house in LA and I had one of my fraternity brothers and a a buddy from the Marine Corps living with me at the time. The place was like debauchery 24-7. Like on a Tuesday night, it would be wild. And we had this older lesbian that lived next door to us. And she would do yoga in the back room and her room abutted up next to my buddy Ben's room and Ben is this like orthopedic surgeon, one of the, you know, Harvard trained, but wild, like mm-hmm. absolutely Just wild. Just one of those unexpectedly wild guys. And then there's my buddy Conan who, I mean, let's be honest, you know, he was a Marine recon mm-hmm. officer and his name is Conan. You know, he's a wild motherfucker. Mm-hmm. And anyway, we would just have these crazy parties and everything. But I once got a letter from the HOA where my neighbor, the lesbian yoga 65 year old lady mm-hmm. was complaining because of the surround sound porn that we were playing. So, what, what, what company made this surround sound? Like, it was Bose? It was like, good, whatever it was. <laughs> whatever company it was. And, I mean, you know, it was a townhouse, so like, this was the shared wall. And it was like, boom, chick it down. Oh, that one was soft core porn. Oh, no, it was, it was like, bro, it was hard, hard, hard core. Porn up, you want to sponsor us? <laughs> Three of us. <laughs> See? That's a team player. I'll take premium for a year. They can have it for like a month. Dude, it's free right now. The big. It's a trap. I'm trying to be for But I've never watched Pornhub in the past 15 minutes. Fill out everything. Yeah, I don't have time for that. No, no. Everything else is free. If you pay for porn, you're a freak, dude. But it was crazy. During COVID, actually, Pornhub made it for free to watch Pornhub Plus for Italians. I was looking for a VPN of Italy. <laughs> Italy! VPN that gives me Italy! Miami, South Florida is the new epicenter. Where's our Pornhub free? Come on! I, I'm really upset I still haven't seen like Bang Bus driving around, like that one van. Dude, but we know I see Mike, dude. He's got like Cam Soda. That's He's, also true. I actually got. True story. <laughs> Good times in the fight business. Uh-oh. So, a friend uh-huh. who happens to know I see very well gave me the code to reality kings and 
I shared it with everybody I know. The first thing the guy said when he gave it to me was, hey, dude, you can't share this with anybody. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Send, send it to all my boys. I'm like, have fun, man. <laughs> Knock your... Still works, by the way. Just huh. oh, ju- wow. Just We've so known you know, each other for five years. Just so you know, I'm actually very upset and it's, right now. It's it's the good stuff. <laughs> Just saying. We're talking after this. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Next question: Favorite place you've ever visited? Uh, I. Well, for me, it's hard not to think about favorite places because my favorite place is home now. Mm-hmm. You know, in between my people and everything. But besides that, I would go for Phuket, Thailand. Chill, calming, relaxed, people are good, uh, nothing to worry about, just wake up, do your stuff, go to the beach, and every day is awesome, you know, so I'd, I'd go for Phuket, probably. Always want to go to, have you been to Thailand? No, that's one I want to do, and actually it's funny, is Roger has been hitting, Roger Kroll, one of the best striking coaches in the business. Sponsor us. <laughs> no, no, trust me, there's no sponsoring there. He, he's like, get your ass in the cage, I'll beat you up. Mm-hmm. That, that would be the sponsoring. Um, no, he, he's been talking about going for a while, and it's, it's been on my bucket list. I definitely want to do it. Uh, go on a, a training vacation where, like, you know, you train, like, maybe four days out mm-hmm. of the two weeks, and, uh, you know, or four days each week, and then you party every night. So you know. we're going. It's happening. It's an awesome place, man. I, I tell you, man. You'll love it. And you, you would be Rummy. thinking about Rummy. dying there. We'll love it. We will. We will love it. Oh, oh. Delta, sponsor hey, us. Hey, Shorty. When you don't fight, guess what we're doing? What are you talking about? I don't fight now. I mean, we can just go tomorrow. We, we could. We could. <laughs> and last thing. Craziest injury you've ever had as a child. Which I have a fun one after that. uh I don't know if it's crazy, it's just funny. So I was young, I was like 12 years old. We got toys, I broke mine the first day. I asked my younger brother, I was like, hey, can I play with your toy? He was like, no, you're going to break it. So we had a little argument, and then he's smaller, you know. I'm 12, he's 10, the size difference is big. He comes to me, he's like, hey, bro, if you don't give me back my toy, I'm going to hurt you. I was like, bro, look at you. How, how like, can you, you do? <laughs> he, gra- he grabs like a mop. And just cracks me in the head. I'm on the floor bleeding. He cracks his toy and just leaves. You got beat up by a mop. Exactly. But he, mm. he hit me right in the head, bro. I was like bleeding everywhere. Sounds like he's in a Mexican Anybody hospital. fighting Rami Hamed, just bring in the mop. Bring him up. Just bring okay. the mop. You go to Wayne's, just put the mop yeah. down for the face off. Remember this? Yeah. Oh, no! And for some reason, I was living in a small village in Lebanon, you know. They have like traditional medicine, not too much technology back in the day. They come in and they start putting coffee in my wound. Huh. I know. Have, have you ever heard of it? Like coffee in a wound? Like I mean, listen, from I've heard head. of gunpowder in a wound. Like to stem the bleeding, cauterize the wound. That, you know, gunpowder, a little fire. Mm-hmm. But not coffee, no. Turkish coffee. Well, you know, it's huh. pretty high octane stuff. This is strong yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I love that. Sponsor us, Turkish <laughs> I, love, I love Turkish coffee. <laughs> so it's. When I was a kid, my craziest injury was I got crushed by a garage door. I actually remember this story, and I love it, and I think you should share it. I, it's also the reason why you're only like five foot one. It could be the case, but it's one of those things that like, you ever think about stuff back in the day? Even yesterday, I made some dumb decisions where you just kind of regret me like, that was the dumbest thing ever. I'm four years old, so it makes sense, but I had the, the four-wheel roller skates on, wasn't able to leave the backyard, kept on skating back and forth. And we had a broken garage window, which my cat jumped in. So I'm like, oh no, the cat's trapped. Let me go save my kitty. You should have let the cat yeah, go. Yeah, I should have let the cat die. Cats so, are evil. I, 100%. And that cat and I had a feud. 
But I ended up opening up the door, but it was one of those doors that if it shut, because of my age, I was just wasn't strong enough to open it up because it was jammed. They had one of those like U locks, you had to twist it and pull. Right. I just wasn't strong enough. So when the cat when I got inside the garage, I'm like, All right, Max, don't worry, we're gonna be okay. And then the cat jumps out the window and I'm like okay. the cat was like, Peace out, yeah, bitch, I'm, I'm like, out of here. I'm gonna you, be Max. okay. What a bitch, what are you talking yeah, about? Like, <laughs> You're screwed, short dude. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Fuck you, Max. Alright, so I took off my rollerblades and I'm trying to open up this door and I was like, Man, my dad used to beat the crap out of us for any little reason, especially if you're gonna open up the garage door because that's where all his tools were, especially in the neighborhood we're oh, at. We're wait, 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 I'm sorry. Is that what your dad, who was a gang enforcer, yeah. called his work devices tools? Yeah, well, he was also a handyman. So oh, okay, okay. Like, so these were real tools as opposed yeah, to like his gat, his saw. <laughs> his, the, the, like, I have pictures of your dad in like one of like the, the gangster movies. It was Say like, hello uh, to my little friend. It would be something like that. My dad did definitely have those type of tools, but I was just afraid of him. So instead of opening up the garage door all the way and having him hear the garage door open up, I decided to open it up almost like two feet. So where I can crawl out under, I was the fourth house away from the corner. But we had one of those gates that you can hold on like if it was a jail cell bar and scream in between. <laughs> Again... Given your family background. Yeah. So, I didn't... <laughs> this yeah, is just a comfort factor, right? Yeah. Just to keep everybody just, comfortable. Yeah, normal. It's normal. Yeah. So, I decided instead of going like, somebody help me, I scream out mom. They didn't want to scream out dad whatsoever. So, I'm like, mom, suck. I'm only the fourth house away from mom, the Mom, bring the meatloaf. Yeah. So, I could have just went around the block. But for some reason, I'm terrified. So, I'm just like, mom. But I just started crying. So, my mom thinks something's happening. So, she runs outside runs to the garage at the same time I decided to crawl under the garage door she presses the button the problem was we're not in the richest neighborhood in the world so we don't have a sensor usually now you do this when it's going down it'll go back up we didn't have that sensor nor do we have the rubber metal uh, the rubber piece under the metal so you should have been six foot one is what you were saying I should have so she presses the button it goes down but she's panicking so it's crushing me and I'm screaming it's literally in the middle of my back I'm screaming, so she panics and presses the button again, so it goes up, but she's panicking, so she's doing this to the button, so the garage door is literally doing going down. Then my dad runs in, he's like, what the hell, presses the door once, or the, the button once, the door goes up. She just picks me up and takes me to the room and just starts massaging my back. Then I go to the Then she pours some day. coffee all over you. Yeah, thinking, oh, she's like, I heard this from some Lebanese yeah. guy. You pour coffee you over it, it'll cure everything. Coffee. And there you go. And that was it. But it's got to be Turkish short. coffee. And then I stay short. That was that was pretty much about it. Oh my God. Well, that and you refused the steroid shot that the doctors I offered. I also, you. you know, why I refused the steroid shots because I enjoyed the nickname short. You you were afraid of back That's crazy, man. Huh? You were afraid of back knee. Yeah, I had that in anyway, so it didn't matter. Okay. All right. Yeah. Then my friend ended up being five nine, and I stayed five four. All right. So that is that's that's a furious five, shorty. That's your furious five. All right, I like it. Furious five. Five questions for no reason, just because they're fun. <laughs> So let's get into the topic for the week. We've got, why do you fight? I think that's a good one. You know, a lot of people have different reasons they fight. But Rami, you're kind of the guest of honor this week. So let's start with you. Like, why do you fight? Like, what got you into fighting? What keeps you fighting? You know, when the, you know, the training's brutal. Like, everybody knows that. But what is it that, that has you deal with those rigors and that kind of, uncertainty of when the next fight's going to come, what's going to, I mean, all the bullshit that's associated with, with fighting. Why do you do it? Well, 
I started off as a big lover of movies, you know, Jackie Chan, Jean-Claude Van Damme, all that stuff, you know. The there it is, Bloodsport got another guy. Oh, 100%. I love Bloodsport. Yeah, but I always thought it was like a martial art. I wanted to win, I love winning, I love competing. Um, started fighting, finished my engineer's degree, and then I just wanted to be big. I want to be the best, I want to win everything. Moved to the United States, started training, and then you kind of start losing the motivation, you know, with the ups and downs. The downs are so low, like nobody tells you about it. They're like, oh, it's so Sucks. cool that when you win and when you lose, it's devastating. It's devastating, yeah. man. Everybody forgets about you. Those 5,000 people that text you when you win disappear for some reason, like you don't even exist. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you so crazy stories. And Brendan has talked about this. Brendan Schaub, you know, one of my long-term clients, one of my friends, like, think the absolute world of him. He lost a fight, and he spent, like, an entire month in his basement, in his underoos, eating donuts, getting really fat, and <laughs> was, was absolutely, de- I mean, just despondent. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he was in a dark, dark, dark place. And eventually, he climbed his way out of it and, you know, got back on the horse and, you know, went on and run and did some cool things and you know but the ups and downs can be brutal man and i just remember like talking to him i'm like oh my god this is like soul crushing dude why would anybody i never asked myself why would anybody put themselves through this if this is the result he wanted to win so bad he wanted to be the heavyweight champion so bad that sustaining a loss was like he thought he was an invincible and then all of a sudden it was this reality check that everybody loses in the sport and he wasn't prepared for that yet you know yeah the analogy I like to use is like everyone can walk but eventually your feet are gonna hurt you're gonna start to trip it's gonna rain outside there's always gonna be bumps in the road and especially in fighting you know that like if you lose you can lose a title shot you can lose a contender shot it can really hinder your career or even possibly end it depending on how the fight goes well just talk about most contracts like you only get paid half your money I mean just like just start with that part you know like the winning and losing aspect of why do you do it if it's if you are you fighting to really make a living, especially when you first start? Oh, yeah, Curtis Blades, for example, mm-hmm. made two hundred dollars his pro debut. Fun fact. Okay, listen, I, I maybe you know don't pay the most money in the game at Titan, $200. but I never paid anybody two hundred dollars. <laughs> That's especially a guy like you know you know he's gonna be special. And like, I'm saying two hundred dollars flat. flat. That was it. Right. So it's possibly a hundred hundred plus ticket sales, but that was right. Curtis isn't the best promoter, so he was like, I just want to fight, get a bunch of fights, and then hopefully go from there. Luckily for him, you know, he's a big guy. You don't need as many fights to get into the higher levels, but, you know, somebody in the middleweights like Rami, it's, 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 a, it's a struggle. There's so many people there. Yeah, that's true. And nobody prepares you for the, for the downside. Nobody prepares you for loss. Like, you can talk about how you would handle losing, but when it comes, man, it's so different. Like, you don't see it coming. It happens to you and then you have to deal with it and you have no idea how to deal with it and everything you talked about doesn't seem to work and then you get to that dark donut place. Yeah. Mm, Shorty, you've been to the dark donut place before. I'm still in the dark donut place right now. You know, I haven't fought in almost a year and a half and even though... Yeah, I would really like at some point to be able to like send my kids to like dance class because... I think you should donuts tonight maybe, you know? That's your win or lose place by the way, man. Well, you're gonna lose, you end up in the garage yeah. eating donuts for a month. That's where you find but it. Like. There's tears of happiness, of tears of sadness. So it, it yeah. just, you know, it, it really does differ. But some tears are happier. So, so knowing that there's this emotional roller coaster, mm-hmm. right? 
Why subject yourself to it? What is it that keeps you stepping into that that cage to go do fucking Mortal Kombat with some dude mm-hmm. who's ready to take your head off? Like, what is it that makes you get back in there? When you know it's like this up and down, and, and when you do win it, hey, it's great, but when you lose, it's devastating. The grind of all the sh- I mean, everything. It's brutal. Like, it's not... This is one of the hardest sports to do in the world, without question. So uh, what, 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 what pushed me to do it for this long time was me loving to win and stuff. And then when it got harder, I kind of find, found different motivations. You, you, let's be honest. You had dominated the paper plane circuit. You had become the world champion of paper new. planes. You needed something else to conquer. Man, if you, I don't know. I love risking. You yeah. know, if you don't risk, you don't drink champagne. That's what we say in Russia. You know, so I love to drink champagne. So I, I wanted to risk, but and now, especially now after was, what's been happening in my country in Lebanon, we've been like under corruption. Everything's been going down. We're losing our currency. We got bombed two weeks ago, and then um, now it's my motivation is my people, man. I want to prove to my people that they can do whatever people are telling them they can't. So we've we've talked about that, right? And, and I think that. As, a, as an athlete on a big stage, you have this platform, this opportunity to be more than just the athlete. So now you've become somebody who's becoming a champion of his people. That, you know, is what is driving you now. Is that, is 100%. that correct? 100%. That's crazy motivation. I never thought about it like being my motivation, but now... I'm ready to do everything. I'm going to that dark place of donuts. It doesn't matter, man. I'm making it up and I'm doing that for my people. Purely, 100% sincerely for my people. And being the people's champ is, is a lot of pressure. You know, you got to deal with a lot, but it's also really, really good motivation depending on how you use it. You know, but it's, it's, what does a win mean to you coming up whenever you're going to fight again? It's a cause, man. It's a cause of, like despite everything that's happening to us, despite what the world is putting this small little innocent country through, we can still make it. So I think about the cause, man, about how it will improve people's lives, how it will change those sad children sitting home and desperate and hopeless. I'm doing it for them, man. It, it's it's the, the winning part and the motivation is bigger than any fear. Man. And if I fail, I fail trying. But even in even in failure, there there's this opportunity to shine, right? Because win lose. It, I mean, listen. In winning, certainly it, it's easier to kind of create momentum and get people excited and all of that. But you can lose like a champion. And and what I mean is, you can go out and put on a great performance. But you can also, leading up to it, you can tell people the story and, and, and bring attention to the issues and, and maybe ignite hope in some young boy or girl who just watched like the city blow up. Like literally that happened and people are now homeless and there's no currency, like there's no food. There's no, like, you know, Lebanon has gone from at one point being the jewel of the Mediterranean, being a very prosperous place to now, you know, and you having you live here. You know, I get kind of firsthand to, to experience what you're going through as you see the the degradation of your country and your people. And, you know, you've got this opportunity where you can go in 
and ignite hope in, in kids. So when you lose or when you win, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's that you're spreading the message and that you go out and give your all. And I think when people see that effort, you know, obviously the winning will be great, but I think it's just that process and getting to the, you know, getting to that elite level and, and then showing people that it's not just the money, it's not just the fame, like those are so secondary at times like this, you know, it's really about the message of hope. That's true. Hope and persistence, man. For it's sure. crazy how one fight can inspire somebody, a child, you know, again, my favorite fighter being Manny Pacquiao. You see how his country literally follows him everywhere he goes. That's you know, you look at Lebanon, you look at other countries that when they make their U.S. debut, people are like, he's making it. doesn't matter if you lose every fight after that. They're like, he's in the U.S., he's trying. He's, if he's doing it, so can I. Again, my moniker is being, if this shorty can do it, so can you. And I can just imagine somebody coming from a different country and having literally his people follow him. And it's just an inspiring yeah. thing. I mean, that's one of the things we have, you know, in Titan... I always say, like, because of where we're located and the brand that we've built and the relationships that we have with, with the UFC and the reputation we have of helping fighters advance their career, um, we've got some of the best fighters in the world who come and fight for us. It's like the best guy from Slovenia, you know, Juros Jurisic was a champion. Like, he was the best dude, you know, Rami has fought for us. He's one of the absolute best dudes in the Middle East and certainly in Lebanon. You know, on and on and on and on, we've had the best person or the top, you know, people from a, a certain country come and fight for us. And they, you see the big spikes when that person comes, like when, when, um, Namoff, Muhammad Namoff comes and fights for, for Titan. He's fought for us, I think now four times and like the entire country of Tajikistan mm-hmm. tunes in to watch. It's awesome. And they get so excited and like you make a post and there's just all of a sudden there's like hundreds of, of you know, Tajik flags and, and power fists and a bunch of words. And, and I think it's Russian, right? They, the Tajiks? No, they actually speak Tajikistan. Okay, so they have their own Tajik language. Yeah. So whatever it is, I can't understand it, but I know they're excited because it's just going on and on and on You're and on. Smack? And on. Yeah. Um, but it's awesome to see people get that riled up. The same thing when you fight. Lots of engagement. Lots of people excited about it. Um, so, I mean, I think that that's important to be able to galvanize people like that. Look at the time we went to Kazakhstan. That was the biggest audience I've seen. 11,000 crazy screaming Kazakhs it was like a pride show. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. I was blown away at how excited people were and how like just devout fight fans they were. I couldn't even make it inside the cage. It was me and Showdown Joe for the main event, and we we assumed who won, but you know the crowd is obviously biased. Yeah. We're, we're talking about the time I almost got taken out at, at gunpoint. That, yeah, that time, yeah, yeah that was a fun time. Literally. All, like the security did nothing. All eleven thousand people just came down and surrounded the cage. Because guess what, the hometown guy didn't win. Yeah, well, both <laughs> hometown guys, the co and the main yeah, event, didn't true. win. And there was a lot. I think the the co main event guy was a military guy as well. Yeah, so it was yeah. huge. So literally, all the people came, which was amazing. Eleven thousand people was amazing. For not just, I mean, eleven thousand people is amazing for any promotion. Yeah. Even the UFC, like that's a full arena in a yeah. lot of arenas. And, you know, they've got arenas that have eleven to 12,000 people, and they, that's a packed house for them. And that's exactly the type of energy it was that night. Yeah. It was, like, I had to push people, and obviously not everyone speaks English, 
So I had to like push people. Rami would have been great to have there because everybody oh, speaks yeah, Russian yeah, everybody there. Speaks Russian. <laughs> he's he's literally like my companion any time to go overseas. Oh, <laughs> you were with them? Yeah. Tater. Ah. <laughs> like we're, we were in with Saudi, right? Oh, that was like, so fun. You know, then you get you get two different types. You got the Russian, the Lebanese, and then or the the, the Arabic, and then you also have English. So I'm like, just talk to Rami. Rami, you handle it. You got it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're the translator. I'm good. <laughs> he eat, I pay. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. That was real power. <laughs> yeah. So it was that was actually. Fun right. fact, I was fighting in Saudi at 170 pounds. Oh, God. This dude weighed in 175 <laughs> the day before my weigh-ins. And he fights at 125. Flyweight, not I, so fly. I had some things in my pockets and uh, it was just a little heavy. I yeah? Know it was. I had more food. So, Shorty, why do you fight, man? Like, you know, I mean, yeah. I know that, you know, I know your story, obviously. You come from from rough kind of background and um, it was it just an opportunity to break away from, from Cicero and the tough kind of life that you had growing up, or was there more to it? Because I know you're a champion for, for, for kids in your neighborhood too, you know? For me, it's it was for two reasons. One was I didn't have the best role models growing up. You know, my father was what, the, pretty much a game The dudes in, in the purples? Like, yeah, well, my, my what are the game colors again? Purple and what? Purple and black. Purple, purple and, and black. black. That's not the... La- it, sh- I don't want to say the name and get you like shank, but it's like that's not the Latin Kings, right? No, somebody, that's it's actually, somebody else, right? It was actually the opposite side. Right, that's what I thought. I would be fighting the Latin Kings, which my dad fought <laughs> yeah. plenty of times and I've seen in person. Great times. <laughs> Anyways, it's it's for me, I didn't have the best role models growing up. My brother being eight years older was slowly starting to become like my father as well. So it's like, do I become like this or do I try to do something different? Some of the shows I watch with Power Rangers, Dragon Ball Z. Wait, Lando's eight years older? Yep. Huh. And you're like his dad. Yeah, pretty much. Very I'm his, odd. I'm his little big brother. Yeah. He's the biggest freeloader I know. I love him to death. Love you, Lando. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> but he, uh, you know, I didn't have the best role model. You know, my brother would literally be like, I did this. Don't do this. Because it didn't work out well for me. So you should go left yeah. instead of right. You know, yeah. so. By the way, that, that's actually not bad advice. Like, he was looking out for you. Yeah, no, he was. But I'm saying at least during that time, I yeah. didn't have the best role models. So. When I watched Jackie Chan, Bruce Lee, stuff like that, I was like, man, these guys are literally physically fighting for good. I want to fight and be a hero. So I decided to join martial arts, and then I've been in martial arts since I was four years old. So just going after it for about 24 years now. By the way, one of my favorite pictures of you is like little shorty in the, in the gi with the chucks and the yeah. fucking giant ass head. Yeah, the little yeah. body, big head. Yeah. Same size head, ridiculous. No, just baby face at least. It's like Jackie but, Chan, but he gets stuck underground. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the failed part of Jackie Chan so, movies. Uh, <laughs> I was saying to Jackie Chan from underground. Yeah. So we used to play fight at home, but the, and my dad was very rough growing up. So he was like, you need to be a man. I need you to fight. You're going to be a fighter. And little I know when I started doing martial arts, I would win or if not place it every single tournament. So I would just keep winning. You'd already learned the mentality before yeah. you realized it. Well, it was naturally tough because my dad never picked us up. If he picked us up, he was throwing us or slamming us. So it was like, I had no choice but to fight. But my father always wanted to be a professional fighter, or a boxer at least, just never had the opportunity. Same thing with my brother. He dropped out of high school. My dad dropped out when he was in eighth grade. And my mom never had the opportunity. In a Mexican household with a bunch of brothers, the brothers can do everything, but you're the one sister. You can't do anything. You're locked in. You know. So she ended up fighting my father. I remember when your dad was still alive and Mm -hmm. you were fighting for Titan your family would ride and like your dad and your mom would, you know, I always made sure they sat cage side mm-hmm. and man, as crazy as, you know, your dad's stories are and, and, and all the shit that he did and how he was rough on you and all that, that dude loved you, man. And he was so proud of you seeing 
you know, his little shorty go in there and, you know, become a world champion, become a two-division world champion. Like, he, he was proud, man. I appreciate you know, that. I remember, like, just looking over and seeing You could see it, you know? And we would, like, I, I posted one of my fights, my first championship for Titan, and there's video of him just jumping up and down. I'm just like, this is awesome. Yeah. You know, because it just showed how excited he was and just proud in general. It didn't matter if I won, lost, whatever the case may be. He was proud. So for me, I fought for him. He was jumping up and down saying, oh, finally Lex is going to put us in a decent hotel. Yeah, yeah, yeah pretty much. <laughs> uh, so there was there was that. And he was just Intercontinental happy. Hotel Miami. That's a, that's a big step up. Uh, not a truck stop. <laughs> but, uh, Where there may have been prostitutes. <laughs> just a couple. <laughs> right next door. <laughs> Dude, we had no sink in there. There was no Listen, bathroom sink. Listen, just, you made me feel bad and I had to get Master Bob a nice hotel there after that. There was no that. bathroom sink. Anyways, <laughs> long story, different episode. So I fought for them and little I know. Worst things fighting for Titan FC. <laughs> well, it was the same thing like Rami. He ended up getting his degree. My degree was in kinesiology. So it's like, I'm set with something else. Yeah. But I was like, man, I'm, I'm actually really good at this and my family's happy. Let me keep on going. Then I noticed every time I fought... More and more people in my neighborhood, especially kids, were going like, man, he's doing it. I could do it, too. So that's all I always say. Look at him. He's so short. He's so small. And he made it. We can do it. He's my size. Yeah, which is perfectly fine with me, you know? So it's like, if this short is Between you and Bellart, there's like a whole nation of little people that are going, oh, my God, we can do it. Bellart is my mom's height. For people who don't know, my mom is 4'8". She is up to here. And I don't, like, I love Gustavo Ballard. Like, I love hanging out with him, his father, all that. He's awesome, man. But, like, I never know how to take a picture with him. Do I lean over? Do I, like, now I know how Stefan Struve feels. I was about to say, just just imagine how people take a picture with you. Yeah. And That's how you should take a picture I'm with Ballard. I feel disrespected. That's why I stand straight up. I was like, no, nah, man, sorry. Just fix the camera. But I fight to be a hero. And it just so happens that, you know, every time I do it, I inspire people. Well, you've done a hell of a job, Shorty. Yay. So, Rami, I love having you on. I love hearing the Why You Fight story and, and all that stuff. Uh, time to wrap it up. Mainly because i got to go get my kid from Dan. Or, which one is this? No, gymnastics. gymnastics. Got to go to gymnastics. Pick up Kylie. But I'm Lex McMahon. That's Jose Shorty Torres. DJ Rami Ahmed. Why you need to sponsor me? <laughs> <laughs> Twitch Podcast. Check it out.